Hello, and welcome to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast, recorded live weekly at our campus in Scottsdale, Arizona, during our normal service. and I'm happy to be preaching with you all today. Um, So our text today is from the prophet Obadiah. Uh, He's one of the 12 minor prophets in our Hebrew scriptures. Um, We call Obadiah and uh, like-minded folks the minor prophets uh, because they are relatively short. Uh, We call prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah the major prophets because they're fairly long. Um, But Obadiah is part of the minor prophets I would go so far as to call him the minorest of all the prophets because his book is only one chapter in length. Um, It's only 21 verses in length, and we're focusing on just the first 16 verses today. We could have read the whole thing, but I was like, okay, let's just read the first 16 verses. Um, So pretty close to all of it. As always, if you're like, oh, I want to hear what the rest of Obadiah says, go home and read it. It's there for you. It's not going anywhere. Um, So anyway, we're continuing our Lenten sermon series. We're going to be dealing with that that deals with the concept or the theme of stones and rocks. Each week we're to take a stone with us to remind ourselves of the text and to kind of reflect upon that message. Um, these These sermons should hopefully just help us to recognize that this world is broken, that we as humans are in need of a savior. We're in need of God to step in and make things right. And we're going to be focusing on that on Easter, uh, but during the the season of Lent, we're going to kind of just focus on humanity's brokenness, the the, the darkness of things. Um, Last week, we looked at the Ten Commandments, and we reflected on the fact that the Ten Commandments just kind of point to our pride as humans. Um, We read the Ten Commandments, and we think like, oh, we're so great because we're not breaking them, and it turns out we're breaking all of them all of the time, Um, and that we're certainly uh, prideful people. I think the message of Obadiah is a, is a bit similar. Obadiah helps to kind of point to our pride, but it kind of there's a the, kind of a different direction we're going to go as well with that. And so we'll explore that together this morning. As always, though, we begin in prayer, so I do invite you to pray with me now. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We are thankful for uh, the, the message of Obadiah in his day. Uh, we're thankful for the, the truth of Obadiah throughout the centuries, and we're thankful for the truth of Obadiah for us even now today. I pray that I would be able to preach and proclaim your truth this morning. If I say anything that's not of you, let that be forgotten. But we pray that you'd be brought glory and honor and that we'd learn to better be your disciples as a result. Amen. All right, so Obadiah, the prophet, uh, you know, it's a short prophecy. Um, Even though it's fairly short, not much to it, it does raise several questions for us. Um, First thing, we don't even know exactly who Obadiah is. Um, we don't really have that much information about him. Um, there's a few different Obadiahs that show up in the Bible, uh, but none of them are this pro- uh, none of them are this prophet. Uh, we know that his name means servant or worshiper of Yahweh, but that's about it. I don't know if I've ever met an Obadiah, but if you're thinking about having kids, Obadiah is certainly that's kind of a nice name. We should bring that name back, Obadiah. Um, we don't. Uh, we also don't have any biographical information about him. Um, often, when we read the prophets, we're told like their their career, their job, something like that. Maybe who their father is. Uh, but with Obadiah, we have none of that. We don't know what Obadiah does. We don't know his lineage. None of that. Um, we're also not exactly sure when he existed per se. 
Because uh, again, normally when the prophets are introduced, they're, they're said, it's said like, oh, they were under these certain kings or something like that. Um, but we're not told any of that for Obadiah. It just kind of dives right in uh, with his message. Um, with Obadiah, though, we have to read a little bit between the lines to kind of figure out like when he existed, and we'll, kinda, we'll get to that as the sermon unfolds. Uh, but we see in verse 1 uh, that Obadiah prophesies, and he says, This is the vision that the sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. Edom. All right, so right away we see that Obadiah is speaking out against Edom. Um, he's not actually speaking out against Israel or Judah like we typically see with the prophets. That's normally what we expect to find. There's a prophet, and it's like, hey, Judah, hey, Israel, I have this word for you. Uh, but here we see that Obadiah's prophecy is for the uh, nation of Edom, not Israel. Um, and that, that should then hopefully lead to a series of questions. Uh, hopefully the first one would be, well, who exactly is that? You know, who is Edom? Who are the Edomites? Like, who are those folks? Like, that sounds like maybe a thing I've heard before. Who are they? Well, let's talk about that. Um, so the nation of Edom, the Edomites, they come from the line of Esau. So we have to kind of remember our Bible history for a bit. Uh, we have Abraham. Abraham is Isaac. Isaac ends up marrying uh, Rebecca. And while Rebecca is pregnant, um, she feels these twins wrestling within her womb. And she asks God of this, and she's told, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And so the twins that she has are Jacob and Esau. Um, Esau is the firstborn, and in that day and age, that basically meant he was entitled to pretty much everything from the family estate. He was supposed to get most of the money and like all the cattle and everything. Uh, but if we know our stories, that we, we know that he ends up getting tricked out of all of this stuff by his twin brother Jacob. And so the Edomites are his descendants, and they never really get over this fact. They never really get over it. They remember the sins of their founders. They remember the sins of their fathers very, very strongly, and they can never really quite get past this. Um, Edom means red, and it comes from the fact that Esau uh, was known for his red hair. Uh, but that initial prophecy that Rebecca gets, uh, that Rebecca receives, it remains true for hundreds of years. Uh, the nations of Israel and Edom are often at odds with each other. They're not on good terms, even though they are related. And so if you read kind of the story of Israel, the history of Israel, uh, Edom will often show up, and then things aren't great. They're often at war with each other. They're kind of butting heads. So they're related, but they don't get along. And so that's a very, very, very quick history uh, just of, like, of who Edom is, the Edomites. Uh, but as, as Obadiah's message starts, he's very negative towards them. Like he has some very harsh things to say. He comes out swinging. Um, there seems to be this coming judgment against them. There's this message that they will be cut down and despised. Like, that's what it says in the first few verses. In fact, it's going to be really bad. He says there's going to be nothing left when they are destroyed. Obadiah says, like, even if you're robbed, there's still some things that are left behind by the thieves. You know, in our day and age, someone breaks in, they take your TV else is there. But Obadiah is saying, thieves are going to come in, they're going to take your TV, your dishes, your jewelry, you're going to come home, and like there'll be nothing left in your house. Uh, but he says their enemies are going to completely destroy them. There'll be nothing left. Again, like just very dark, very like, like harsh message. Again, hopefully this leads us to the question of like, why? Like that's such a harsh thing to say. Like why would Obadiah be saying that? Why is there this harsh message here, Obadiah? 
Why is it so dark? Why does Edom have this message of judgment against them? Well, we get to the next part in Obadiah's message, and that's where he lays out what the issue is. That's where he kind of lays out, like, this is what you've done wrong. I'll put the words up on the screen. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read them all, but I'll highlight a, f- a few. He says, when they were invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. You should not have seized their wealth when they were suffering such calamity. And so he kind of goes on and describes the situation that Edom was gloating and rejoicing when Israel was experiencing this destruction and this downfall. Not only did Edom laugh at them and mock them, but they took advantage of the situation and they got wealthy off of Israel's misfortune. And so Obadiah is talking about the situation in which Israel, their cousins, were attacked, they were ransacked, and when that happened, Edom stood by and they laughed at them. They they mocked them. They made money off of their downfall. Uh, That's why Obadiah has this harsh word against Edom. Rather than mourn with Israel or to help them out, throw them a lifeline, do something for them, they took advantage of them, they mocked them, they made money off the situation. All right, so what, what is Obadiah referring to here? Like, what, what horrible thing happened in Israel to which Edom responds with this laughing and rejoicing? Oh, so part of Israel's history is that uh, we have the nation of Babylon coming in in the year 586, destroying Jerusalem, taking many of the people captive back to their land. Um, many of the other prophets, like the folks that we read about in the Bible, have been warning about this uh, impending day of destruction. Israel had been given several warnings, hey, this bad thing is going to happen to you, and they just kept ignoring it. They kept doing their own thing. Uh, So Babylon comes in, and uh, they destroy things. And so Edom, as this this, uh, neighboring nation, they see this, they see this destruction, they're like, hey, good for you. You deserved it. I'm going to laugh at you, I'm going to mock you, I'm going to take in and, and get wealthy off of this. And so that is what Obadiah is speaking out against. They're, they're dancing in the streets at Israel's downfall. And so reading between the lines a little bit, we know that Obadiah is speaking after the fall of Jerusalem against Edom for their celebration of this fact. And again, Obadiah has these very bleak words uh, for Edom. You know, Edom should have known, like, hey, like, we could be next here. You know, we're vulnerable too. It's, it's a harsh world, and power can shift so easily. One nation can rise up overnight and take over the current superpower. It's a very foolish thing to be laughing at others while they were down, kicking them while they're down. And so while Israel uh, you know, deserved to be punished for their idolatry, they had their own sins, their own things that they had to deal with, you know, that was not the end of the story. Um, there was always this uh, promise of restoration. Uh, the goal with Israel's punishment was for them to finally learn the error of their ways. As Obadiah says in verse 15, As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All of your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads. And so Edom was not innocent either. Uh, They had their own history of sins. They had their own darkness. They had their own things that they were doing wrong as well. And so just as Israel had faced her punishment, Edom was right around the corner. And the last part of Obadiah, the stuff we're not going to read, is all about their own coming destruction. The last five verses are about that. All that stuff that's happened to Israel, guess what? It's going to happen to you, Edom. You know, it was in poor taste to mock Israel for her downfall, and that same stuff is going to happen to you. Again, you can read it. 
It's very dark, very depressing. And so while this word from Obadiah was directed uh, at Edom to serve as a warning for them, uh, this word is also uh, for the Israelites. It, it was also written to give them a note of hope that their punishment was not final and that one day God would indeed restore them. And so while Obadiah was directing his message to Edom with Israel in mind as well, um, the message of uh, Obadiah is not contained to this thing just thousands of years ago. Uh, this is not simply a, a message written, from warring, written to warring nations in a land far off with no relevance for anyone else uh, at all. And I think really the, the message, the, the, the warning of Obadiah, the, the message of Obadiah really serves as a warning to anyone in power. I think that's like a timeless message that we see here in Obadiah. The message is for, of Obadiah is, is for anyone in power, whether that's an individual, whether like, that's a business, whether that's a nation, anyone who has the power. You know, whether you're a parent, whether you're running a government. And that message is quite simple. What are you doing with that power that you have? What are you doing with your power? Uh, what are you doing with your strength? What are you doing with your authority? How are you treating those under you? Uh, you have control over those who have less. You have control over those who are less fortunate. And what are you doing with that power? What are you doing with that control? Are you ruling and reigning with humbleness, knowing that you could fall the next day and you could be in that situation? Or are you holding on to your position of power, hoping to see others fall along the way so that you can laugh at them? Are you looking to make money from the destruction of others? Uh, that was Edom's problem, and anyone who has in a position of power over others can so easily fall prey to that thinking as well, can so easily fall uh, prey to that, where attitudes of superiority can so easily become deadly. You know, as Obadiah begins his prophecy, he speaks on behalf of God to Edom, and he says, you have been deceived by your own pride because you live in a rock fortress and make your home high in the mountains. Who can ever reach us way up here, you ask boastfully? Um, you know, there's different directions that we can take with this idea, but because it's this season of Lent, it's our time to reflect on just our failings and our need for Christ. You know, again, we're using these theme of rocks and stones in our Lenten series, and we see that theme um, kind of at the heart of this passage here in, in, in verse number three. Like, how are we living in our own rock fortresses, mocking the destruction of those below? And so this morning, it's a time to ask ourselves, like, how are we as modern people living out the sin of Edom? Like, what is the message of Obadiah for us today? How are we like Edom? How is their sin, how is their issue also, also our sin and our issue? Uh, that's the question I want us to think about this morning and this week as we go uh, on with things, as we carry our little rocks with us. How are we living in the clefts of the rocks, at ease in our positions of power, trampling those under us? Uh, today and this week, uh, this stone that we're going to take with us, carry with us, is symbolic of our power and our failure to use that power responsibly. This is symbolic of our power and our, alt, our, our far too often uh, thing to not use that power responsibly. I'm speaking to us as Americans right now. America is the world's superpower, and whether you believe this or not, simply by living here, by just being kind of in this geography, this place that we call America, like, we're all incredibly rich. 
You know, compared to the vast majority of the world, we are rich. You know, if you have a bed to sleep in, you're rich. If you have a roof over your head, you are rich. If you have food in your cupboards, you are rich. If you can pick up your phone, press 911, and in a few minutes, some sort of emergency services will come and help you out, like, you are rich. If you have easy access to basic medicine and hospitals, you are rich. Uh, if you have a car, you're rich. If you have more than one car, you are rich. If you have an education, and not just college, even just like high school, like, you are rich. If you have access to clean drinking water, you can just go and just do this motion and clean drinkable water comes out, you don't have to think about it, like, you are rich. Uh, globally speaking, by the nature of us being Americans, everyone here is part of this global 1%. And it's very easy for us to complain uh, by looking up at others who have more. Like, it's very easy to look around the world, read articles, see things, get frustrated. You see these Hollywood super, super, superstars and the mansions they live in. You see people like Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and just how they have, like, how many commas they have in their bank accounts, right? And instead of looking up who have more, I think, like, I think Christ, he calls us to look below at those who have less. I think we're all, we have this tendency as humans to look up at, like, who has more, and Christ calls us to, like, look at, le- look at those who have less. And instead of focusing on the, those who have more, which, again, does have its time and its place, why don't we focus on those who have less? Most of the world looks at us as Obadiah saw Edom. Most of the world sees us at the top. They see how we live our lives. And to them, it's like we, when we get frustrated with celebrity gluttony. Uh, according to the Sierra Club, we have less than 5% of the world's population, but we use like a third of the world's paper, a quarter of the world's oil, 20% of the world's coal, like aluminum, copper. Um, we create an estimated 30% of the world's waste. Uh, several websites that I, I, I went to this week kind of just reference the fact that we throw away enough aluminum every three months to just rebuild our entire commercial air fleet. Every three months, we throw away enough aluminum to just rebuild every airplane that we have. Like, that's crazy. Uh, according to Feeding America, we, we uh, throw away like 130 billion meals every year. $400 billion worth of food is just thrown away. Uh, nearly 40% of our food is wasted. Like, and yet, so many people uh, just see how like, our lifestyle choices are catching up with us and just our insanely high rates of heart disease and uh, diabetes, obesity, etc. Like, we as a society, we have so much we just like to excess. We eat so much meat. Uh, we're choosing to live large, and we're paying for the consequences of these decisions with a whole myriad of health problems. We're not quite as invincible as we think. And we need to recognize that our our choices have consequences. You know, much of the world looks at our high levels of stress and our unhappiness. And so even though we're at the top, there's cracks in the foundation. Uh, Much of what we do is simply not sustainable. Much of what we do cannot keep uh, keep going on in the same fashion. Where if everyone in the world used the same amount of energy as us, if everyone around the world ate the same amount and types of food, if everyone in the world's trash or garbage collections looked like ours, if everyone used the same amount of water as us, like, things would be really bad. Like, there's literally not enough to go around. And to be very clear, like, there is also uh, wealth inequality in our own country as well. Like, we could easily talk about, like, the disparity of wealth from those at the top to, to, to 
those at the, uh, at the bottom. And that's a sermon series for another day. I think we could segment this out and talk about this on all kinds of different levels. Uh, but I want to keep things real simple this morning, that the message of Obadiah should cause us as Americans uh, to ask some very serious questions about how we live our lives and see what kind of tangible changes, changes we could potentially make. And so again, for this week, like this stone is representing American wealth. That in just about every decision we make, we can have our uh, stone remind us just of how good we have it here. Literally, take the stone with you, and as you make decisions, just reflect on like, how good you have it here. Because you wake up, and the stone reminds me, like, I have a place to sleep. I have a bed to sleep in. I have a roof over my head. I eat breakfast, and the stone reminds me, like, I can eat breakfast this morning. I jump into the shower, and the stone reminds me, I have enough water not only just to drink and stay alive. I have, like, excess. I can just, like, like wash my body, get filth off me with clean drinking water. I get into my car. The stone reminds me, I have transportation. I can get around. I eat lunch. And this stone reminds me, hey, I have enough food for a second meal. I throw something away, and this stone reminds me, I don't have to think about it. Like, there's all this trash. I don't have to think about it. It's, it's amazing, you know? I, I, I look around at the things I have, and this stone reminds me how much of my stuff comes from exploiting people. Like, our desire for cheap stuff keeps others enslaved around the globe. Again, that would be a sermon series for another day. I eat dinner, and this stone reminds me, I have enough food for a third meal, and how many others are going to go hungry tonight? And when I climb back into my bed, this stone reminds me that far too many men, women, and children will be sleeping on the streets. And so this stone for us this week reminds us that this world is broken, and it needs to be fixed. And that on some level, I am contributing to the brokenness of this world, that we all bear a responsibility in the brokenness of this world that I need to be asking for God's forgiveness in this and for God's guidance and wisdom for helping to change. Uh, this stone reminds me to reread the prophet Obadiah and remind myself that I am Edom and that I, I need to be grateful and thankful for what I have. This stone reminds me that I need to like, maybe ask some very serious questions about where does my money go and what kinds of businesses and groups am I supporting with my finances? Like, Where does my clothing come from? Where does my food come from? Where does my furniture, electronics come from? Like, where does all our stuff come from? Like, we should maybe be asking these questions. Uh, this stone reminds me that maybe I don't need to accumulate so much stuff, but I have so much, and yet there's this thing in most of us that just wants to keep consuming and buying more. Uh, this stone reminds me to simplify my life. Maybe this is a week to just go through my house, go through my apartment, go through my rooms, and just, like, Get rid of stuff that I don't need. Uh, this stone reminds me that despite all the wealth that America has, that yes, there are the poor among us, but this stone reminds me that as a follower of Jesus, that I am to reach out to those who are in need to help them. And that as you leave here, as you, as you live your week, you keep this stone with you in your pocket, in your shoe, at your desk, to remind yourself of the message of Obadiah. And that message is very simple. Those who are in power need to be very careful and not let that power go to their heads. Those who are in power need to be very careful and not let that power go to their heads. Those who are in power need to be very careful to treat those who are under them with grace, with love, with dignity. 
we are in power and we have not lived up to this. And this world is broken and we need God to fix it. And we look forward to the celebration of Easter in a few weeks where we celebrate the fact that God has become flesh and done something new and wonderful and powerful in the person of Jesus Christ. And that one day there will be a recreation of all things, uh, but until then, we are the hands and feet of Christ in living out the kingdom of heaven now. And that power that we have, like, what are we doing? Thank you for listening to Papago Butte's Church of the Brethren podcast. If you have any questions or are interested in finding out more about our church, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Our contact information is provided at www.pbcob.org.